you know, I, I want to leave my mark on the world at large. I've always wanted to achieve something big that changed the world. As I've gotten older, and I think, I hope, more mature, I've realized that the overall world, quote-unquote, doesn't care much about me, and it will soon forget me. So my biggest achievements, my biggest successes will probably be the deep impact that I can make on a small number of real people around me that I care about. Strive to pour out your life into the people that you can. And that is on every level. And the time we spend, uh, the care we give, the, the, the effort we make to communicate our love to one another and not leave it unsaid. I think I, for so long, have undervalued the people I was already closest to who actually already cared about me and who I could could impact and help. And chasing after the masses uh, and forgetting about the people who actually will will remember me and care. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them, and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. All right, listeners, welcome back to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. It's hard to believe we are nearing the end of March 2019 already. It feels like this year just got started. Here we are almost three solid months in. I have to say this has been a fantastic year. I'm adjusting to a bit more flexibility in my life. And last year I had these really amazing audacious goals that had me living a pretty disciplined and if I dare say perhaps a bit rigid life. This year, I'm folding in a lot more flexibility, spontaneity, um, loosening up on some of the rules that I have for myself in, in, I think, good and beneficial ways without totally losing control of um, certain aspects of things that I want to stay you know, diligent upon. And um, this topic today is one that 
that really kind of sprung up last year, but it just, just feels like the right season to explore it right now. And I don't mean for this to seem morose uh, or or sad. I think it's actually a really uplifting and exciting topic to discuss because it really can help us decide where we want to point our life um, and what direction we want to move. And if there are changes or improvements that we want to make or adjustments, this conversation can certainly start to aid in those decisions. And uh, on the website, I will include a link to a blog post I wrote about a year ago when I lost a friend uh, who was hit by a car while he was cycling. And of course, this is a somewhat unfortunate common experience in my profession of representing injured bicyclists. Um, But this one particularly affected me, um, which you can read more about in the article. Uh, But suffice it to say, I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that something I really, really love doing is causing injury and death to people that I love and care about and had to get real with myself about death and how I want to live my life and how I want to spend my day knowing each time it could be my last and not just because I'm riding a bike, it could be my last for a variety of different reasons at any moment. Um, And this is in part why I ended up getting um, a tattoo on my wrist last year that says breathe and boldly go And that's a daily visible reminder to me to kind of keep these same principles and concepts in mind. Um, So anyway, that's a, that's an interesting blog post read. And so then that sort of spun into uh, a discussion I had a couple weeks ago with my host, my guest today, Nate. Um, He is a member of my EO forum and a man of faith, man of God. And not only that, just one of those people that makes you want to be a better human when you're around them. And it's truly inspiring and thought-provoking and just a heart of gold and is fully present when you're with him and just really um, lives a very inspiring and purposeful, intentional life. Just respect the hell out of him. And so we started talking about this issue of not being afraid of death. And we both shared that we were not. And we were sort of surprised to see that other people in the room expressed that they were afraid of death, which I think is probably normal. Um, it just, it warranted further discussion as far as I was concerned. So fast forward to today and Nate and I have had this amazing dialogue and conversation about death and Nate shares some of his faith and he's one of those people that's very sensitive about coming across preachy. He doesn't want to turn people off, but at the same time, he also really wants to share what he feels and what he believes and he does it in a very respectful way. Um, And we talk not just about faith and religion, but also just spirituality and sort of life's bigger picture, bigger purpose. And and not only that, we also talk about the logistics of planning for end of life. I'm going to include a link on the website to the lawyer that I used for my trust and my estate planning. He's a friend. He's not a sponsor. There's nothing in it for me. But I know that you'll be in good hands if you talk to Tim Schaefer at Schaefer Thomas Mays here in Broomfield. Um, And by the way, friends, like don't overcomplicate this to do a will is super simple to do your, um, you know, do not resuscitate to do your, um, your, your medical decision making documents decide if you're going to donate your organs. Um, And also there's usually a piece of paper with lines on it that says who do you want to give your stuff to and how do you want your funeral to look and do you want to be buried and what songs do you want played and these questions are really thought provoking and they, they really bring up a lot of good, positive thoughts about how we spend our day, or at least they did for me. 
And I also think that they can really lead to some pretty cool family conversations as well. Um, starting to talk with your family about those plans and how they can uh, best honor you in your um, in your eulogy or how you'd like your life to be celebrated. So I think there's a lot of good there. And so anyway, I hope you'll hear this message with an upbeat, uh, uplifting ear, because that's how we intended it. It's not intended to be sad. Um, but the truth is that none of us do get out of here alive, and death could be literally at our doorstep in any moment. And um, I think it's good if we maybe work on embracing that fact a little bit instead of trying to run from it. Um, I'm also going to share a link to an Instagram page that I've been following lately that's really inspired me on this on this specific point. It's called The Buried Life, B-U-R-I-E-D, Buried Life. And they talk about things that people want to do before they die. And I would challenge you to make a list of three of those things and put it on your refrigerator door. So with that, friends, sending out some love and some just super like positive, uplifting, inspiring, almost meditative vibes to you today. Uh, check that heart rate a little bit. See if you can't just breathe in super deep through your nose and like hold it a little bit longer than it's comfortable. And then Exhale it as slowly as you possibly can. And if you're sitting in your car, or you're sitting at your desk, or maybe you're on a walk, like just see how wide you can expand that rib cage inside your shirt when you when you inhale and just feel what that does to your heart as you kind of center down. Um, I hope I hope that this one leaves you better than it found you. And I uh, just want to say thanks as always for your support and your continued listening of this Maximum Enthusiasm podcast. I feel a little nervous just because I think it's such a, a big, important, great topic. And so as you pull yourself, you know, as I pull myself out of a Monday, normal life, quote unquote, and jump into something that matters so much. I want to make sure to, just like you said, to be focused and be ready to share as clearly as possible on these things. Well, I have no doubt that you will. And I, I played a little trick on you and I pushed record a little while back and I'm so glad I did because um, I love what you just said. And it's a perfect way to introduce you to our listeners. Um, I have the extreme pleasure of hosting my friend and my fellow entrepreneur, Nate, and you pronounce it Ayers. Ayers. That's right. Good Ayers, job. Ayers, uh, on my, on my Maximum Enthusiasm podcast today. Nate, welcome so much to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This is, this is special for me too. And you and I talked a while ago when this topic first came up about your, I don't want to say fascination, but just your joy in the thought that things that we create like this go on to live past us. Yes, absolutely. I think from audio, things we've recorded to things we write down, um, in addition to just the pictures and the little moments we capture in life, these things where we take time and we focus on something that we've thought about and that we care about and then the fact that we can capture it so easily these days, you know, we don't have to go into some expensive recording studio or buy lots of equipment. We can capture these and, you know, that my kids and who knows, grandkids right. and beyond and other people could hear this and go, whoa, that was 
great grandpa, Nate. That's crazy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And you can feel that for your future, can't you? Like I can feel how much you feel that in your future. Absolutely. That lineage. Yeah. That's, that's going to follow you. I mean, I, I can see it clear as day and I'm sure you can too. Well, today's topic is a big one, and this did not come about lightly. You and I took part in a retreat in our EO forum, and this interesting issue of who is afraid of death and who is not afraid of death arose, and you and I found ourselves as, I think, the only two in the room that expressed that we were not afraid of our death, and I felt I felt that on my heart after we left the retreat, and it was something I wanted to follow up with you about, and and I'll share a bit more in the introduction to the show about kind of why this issue came to the forefront for me, especially last year. But um, I just knew that you were going to have something really powerful and poignant to share on this topic. And for our listeners, Nate is an incredible man of faith. And when you meet him, you just can see and feel your faith and the presence of that faith-filled heart and spirit in you. And I just want to kind of open it up to, to let you share some of that and where that comes from and, and sort of how you came to this place of not, not fearing your death. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe what I'll just share briefly, it's always fun to get to know the person who you're listening to a little bit. And it's certainly a big part of my life story and my faith story as well. But uh, as a five-year-old little boy, my family actually moved to Mexico. And uh, so I grew up in another country uh, back in the 80s. Now, Mexico is a very different world than than the U.S. And um, as I grew up there, uh, like all of us, I watched my parents interacting and what was important to them and how they lived. And we were there because my dad not only had a degree and had spent a lot of time studying the Bible and God, uh, but had actually served in ministry and wanted to go share this good news with other people. And so that's what I grew up with for 11 years in Mexico before we moved back to Colorado. And not only all the things that I heard and was exposed to, but just their life and how much it mattered to them and to see that it wasn't a hobby or a club that they were in or some part that they tried to fit into the rest of their life, but that their faith uh, in Jesus really was what life was about. And then they fit the other pieces into that. So certainly as a backdrop, uh, that's that was powerful for me growing up and influenced me. And as I have grown up and become an adult, I have then really had to wrestle through, well, what does my life and what I live for and life after death, if there is life after death, what what is that and what do I think about it and make all that my own and um, study it for myself and think about it. So um, along that journey too, I uh, eventually, just to share the whole yes please. the whole picture yes. um i i actually have work full time as an entrepreneur like you said but also volunteer as a pastor at my at a little church orchard bible church uh in centennial and 
so have done that for the last 10 years, and that certainly has deepened my, uh, my relationship with other people and my exposure to questions and pain and death. Uh, I've been present uh, with people who are dying or have just lost a little one, uh, either a, a baby right at the end that they miscarried or um, even a young child. And so that's, a, that's been a big piece too, because then it's not just even me personally, how do I feel about these things, but how do you comfort and explain and process through in your own mind uh, life and death with all these people that you're surrounded with, who you love and who you're trying to to care for spiritually. So um, yeah. that's certainly been a big piece of the journey too. That's an awesome um, backstory. I thank you for sharing that. That's it. Really helps lend itself to this conversation and. Um, I'm sitting here and I'm just listening to you say these things and I'm thinking like what drew me to you to have this conversation and it's just because I have this sense of this certainty and of course I grew up in church I was raised Catholic I've been at a um, non-denominational church since living in Colorado here at Red Rocks Church and um, you know church means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and organized mm-hmm. religion means a lot of things and I would say my sort of spirituality has also grown kind of outside the church just the recognition of the greater than, um, aspects of, you know, the universe. And, uh, it can mean so many things to so many different people. And then I meet you and I just think, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. So <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell you, I'm just really excited to, to hear your thoughts. So, um, you know, when we talked about it, you said, I, I'm not afraid of death and you were so convicted and calm about it. And in fact, I think you said that there are parts of it that you actually can't wait for. Um, you'll be sad to, you know, not be with your family and your children, but then there's this whole other side of it. So, um, kind of without restriction or without any time limit or any specific mm. way that you need to take this, I want you to just feel free to speak from the heart and, and say what you think about that. Well, thank you. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, cool. well, I think to start, what I'll just say is, uh, from having listened to a, a podcast that you did on legacy and being remembered and life and also the just physical side of, of life. And you had even asked me, uh, previous to this, gosh, how do you, how do you not fear death when you've got a wife and three little kids that you would leave behind? And, and so there's, there's a practical piece to this and I won't re recover ground. You've covered very well, but certainly there's an aspect of feeling that you, I, especially as I think of caring for my family, have taken care of the the simple, but it, it takes preparation, uh, you know, from insurance and as a company owner even. I've uh, worked with my lawyer to have a document that will pass the ownership of the company over to the employees so that they're taken care of and really just putting myself in the practical shoes of relatives and friends and people who are around me to to reduce the impact the negative impact as much as possible uh if i was to die especially if i was to die suddenly and unexpectedly and so so i've taken taken those things to heart and seriously and 
have worked through those. So um, that's a part of it. I think feeling that yeah. they'll be left in, in good financial place and uh, that I've minimized the impact. I think especially of my beautiful wife, Michelle, and I don't want her to be worrying about all of the the many threads of my life and having to tie those up afterwards. And so knowing sure. I have someone to do a great job, job executing on my will and that all these pieces are as much removed from her uh, so that she can just process everything else. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's certainly a big piece of it, but no question, you know, moving beyond that, I, and maybe this is, seems like an obvious question, but, you know, we, to your point about spirituality and church and religion, especially we, and I think life and death, we, we might mean very different things when we each talk about it. So it is worth just asking ourselves, what do we mean by death? Do we mean the end of it all? Is this the last breath? Our cells and our molecules go back into the earth. We get recycled and there is nothing more. Um, certainly, that physical part of our body uh, is a part of it, but and it should impact the way we live and shape our fear of death or our understanding of death and what that, that will be the end of our breathing here. But but then my my mind goes to uh, is there life after death and. Uh, is this physical world that we experience every day in and of itself, is it good, is it bad, or is it neutral? And over the centuries and millennia, people have had different views of that, and that has impacted their view of death, certainly. Um, and if there is an afterlife, and there is a God, and let's assume for the moment that he's both just and loving, which is the God that I would want to believe is, is out there. And we ask ourselves questions about this broken world and the pain we see. And right. we, we want a God who's loving, but also who's just and doesn't let bad things go without being reckoned with. Um, so I think about that. And, and if that was true, then death is a gateway to an eternal and a new state. And I think about how much that should shape my life and my contemplation of death, because now my short, small life here doesn't just matter how I live it for these 70, 80 years, and maybe the years that go on beyond that that impact a few people, but, but I'm actually impacting and shaping my existence and and impacting other human beings for eternity and mm. so if that's true then then death actually even matters more because uh it's the end of this short section of life that I only get to live once and, yeah, and that's then a point. after that comes uh eternity and so, so there is another type of death, though, that we could talk about if we asked fearing death. And uh, from a spiritual standpoint, that would be spiritual death. And the fact that 
there could be more than just this life, but then at the end, the eternal state is not one of bliss and joy, nor being recycled and coming back and living again, but it could be something permanent that we have to live with for ever. And uh, so I think that causes a lot of fear in people as well as they consider their own physical death because there's no do-overs. You know, you lived your life and (laughs) you breathed your last. So that's right. So with that as a, as a bit of context, I'll say that I don't fear physical death or spiritual death because I believe that I actually have victory over death. And that may sound crazy and it may sound pretty bold because how do you beat death? Uh, certainly <laughs> none of us can escape it. It's coming. Nope. <laughs> um, so I think... To explain my own story, I wanted to share uh, just very briefly uh, an account that's in the Bible of, uh, in the book of John, of a family who actually had just been impacted by death. Very real and very personal. There were two sisters, um, and their brother became ill, and he died. And the name of those sisters are Martha and Mary, and their brother was Lazarus. And the scene is of the two of them weeping and heartbroken. It's very clear that they loved their brother and they're feeling the loss. And Martha tells Jesus when he shows up, uh, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she shows that she has faith in his power and his ability to uh, prevent death. Um, and you can sense a, a sadness and a questioning in her yeah. statement of why didn't you then come and spare my brother's life? You love us. You loved him. Um, and here we are weeping and in loss. And his answer to her is, is part of the answer of why I, uh, feel the victory over death and a lack of fear. And he says, Jesus says to her, this is in John chapter 11, uh, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And here Jesus is not just saying, I have the power to preserve life, nor even just I have the power to grant life but I am life. And Mm. if you believe in me, though you die, and I believe I will die one day, uh, yet shall you live. Um, And Mm. in the story at that point, then Jesus proves that a lot of people could say something like that, which would definitely sound, if I ever said that, I hope you would call me out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like Nate, you've lost it. Um, so, so we we can't just take it as uh, you know. I don't want us to gloss over the fact that what he's claiming sure. here is is really significant. It's really yeah. significant. But he he backs it up then and, and proceeds to raise her brother from physical death. Uh, and 
And then if we picture, you know, these words were written down by a man named John who watched this happen. Uh, well, later, this same Jesus was himself killed and he needed nobody to bring him back to life. But he overcame death and is now in heaven in glory. And he appears to the same man, John, uh, who was there with Martha and mm. saw this happen. And and this is what the what Jesus again uh, does. He places his right hand on John and he says to him, and this is from Revelation 1, he says, do not be afraid. And I think that's cool. We're talking about fear in general here and, and as it also pertains yes. to life and death. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. And mm. here we see, I think, spelled out for us even more what he's claiming, which is to have victory over death and to have power over it and to to grant it. And uh, in another place, uh and then this is the, the last of my, or almost the last of my verses, so don't worry, we won't. Hey, this isn't, don't I'm, apologize. This isn't a, a sermon. It's just, it is the personal explanation of where, totally. where I come <laughs> from and what I feel. But So in 1 Corinthians 15, we, we read towards the end of that chapter that death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ so as I think about my own death and I think about that sting I I certainly believe that there is a a sting of death of just the loss of someone we love that the people who are left behind will will feel and is real. Sure. But but even for my wife, and we've talked about this, she would agree that the real sting of death is gone. And that is because all of my sins, which are many, and certainly my wife and my kids uh, know that as much as anybody, hmm. um, would tell you that 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 when Jesus died, that he took my place. And the spiritual death that I had coming and that I deserved uh, was totally taken care of and paid for. And so I don't fear death because there's no more death left for me. Now, now I only have life to look forward to. And, and not only eternal life to look forward to, but I have an inheritance waiting so the way I picture it, I've, I heard this analogy once, is that I'm like a poor man who's on a short journey. And on, at the end of this journey, this poor man knows that he is going to inherit billions of dollars. So life is my short journey. And if I get a flat tire on the way, I can still be happy because while it's painful and no fun, and there's lots of suffering in this 
short journey of life that we take before we die. I believe I'm about to inherit the equivalent of billions, uh, eternal life without tears or pain or suffering forever. So I can say like the Apostle Paul and his famous words from Philippians 1.21, that not only do I not fear death, but, and this touches on what you said a few minutes ago, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hmm. Because then uh, this, this broken world and the many trials that we have to struggle against, including our own failings and the mistakes we make and how we hurt ourselves and others, even all of that and the striving and the trying to love and do what's good will, death will really, for me, mean the end of that and that I'm coming into my inheritance uh, forever in perfect joy. So I definitely look forward to that aspect of it. So beautifully said, my friend. Uh, thank you for sharing that and just sort of pulling in some of the word that you believe in and explaining it in a really powerful and just really beautiful way. Um, and I suspect that some people who do fear death perhaps the most are those who are absent any sort of faith or spirituality where they believe that at the mm. end they do just um, perhaps return to the earth and that that is that is all there ever was. And, um, and that is certainly a, a very sort of dire end to a life. Um, so I can see why your faith brings you so much comfort and actually uh, a, a tremendous amount of peace surrounding mm. the end of your human life. Yeah. And as you were talking, I guess my mind was sort of wandering to this place of like, those are all really big thoughts and concepts. And sometimes I find myself vacillating between those really, really big feels and then how freaking insignificant the stuff that we do on a day-to-day mm. basis really is. And I don't know about you, but when you start thinking about things like eternity or the universe or this grand creator and, and these really big concepts, I start to find that the day-to-day -day stuff is so inconsequential that I can almost um, not care about it anymore. Hmm. Do you ever go back and forth between those extremes? Yeah, I do. I think especially it, after having a, like you said, spending time thinking about it or in a good conversation with someone and chewing on it and pondering all of it. And then, uh, the mundaneness of what mm -hmm. practically we have to do to get through life right. seems, uh, silly. Um, uh, but I think it also, it also to me adds extra, extra value. You know, I think of every interaction that I have with my kids, I'll just say as an example, it could be anyone, but on the one hand, I'm going to spend many, many hours, uh, doing just the most tedious mundane of life with them. And at the same time, my, what I do with them and what I say in my attitude, even in the mundane things is going to impact them for, their whole life and possibly for their 
eternity, as they consider these things and make their own decisions about faith and uh, what what they believe. And so uh, what I end up feeling more than anything is that uh, there's no way I can live as well as I want to live and and then enjoying the the grace of knowing that even God knows that and that um, I'm just a simple person who's uh, going to try to be obedient and love him for what he's done for me and loving me first, but but that his, he is in control and that I don't have to sweat it. Um, because I think for a moment, I, just like you said, I share that struggle of coming back to, is, is it worth doing these things? But then I also very quickly can forget that all these eternal things are happening. And um, mm. this world can very quickly be consuming and see all I, all I see. And... That's true too. It's interesting. It's like a balance you have to fight for, isn't it? And if yeah. we take our eye off the ball, uh, the world would have us believe sometimes, whether it's com- consumerism or or cons- uh, you know commercialism or, mm. or our professional endeavors or whatever, the world would mm. have us believe that those are of the utmost importance. And if you kind of take your eye off the bigger picture, whatever it is that you believe, it can be very easy to lose sight of the bigger picture and. Um, so I guess with that in mind, where I'd kind of like to take this conversation next is in talking about, um, you know, you openly shared that you've made end of life plans and I have too. I, I, I approach those conversations head on. I didn't run from them. I'm grateful that my parents are, are open to those discussions and my family members and my close friends. And I have a, a trust and a state attorney. That's a good friend of mine that I've worked closely with on those things. And I guess I feel like those types of conversations initiated some really incredible dialogue. And I'm curious if you had that same experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's sobering and it's, um, I guess one of the thoughts that it takes me back to is, um, you know, when you're young, you don't think about death as much normally. Some people do, uh, but you feel more invincible and, Sure. Everything's out in front of you and I'll take care of that later. I'll just live yep. for now. And, uh, when I was 29, I had a minor back surgery, uh, but I had a herniated disc and went in for surgery. And my dad went into the hospital with me to drop me off and get me all checked in and which was great. And they hand me the packet of information to fill out. And, uh, as you're going down, uh, it, it starts asking you these questions about what happens mm-hmm. if you die? What do you want said? What do you, uh, you know, what are these, who, who, who do you want to, it's not really the will piece, but it's certainly the piece of what are these last things you want to share? Because I, I state or do you want to donate your organs? Those right. Types of things. Yeah. And, and I think what's in, it impacted me really deeply because I realized oh. that, while the surgery was very low risk, uh, that I wasn't Still. spending a lot of time thinking and preparing for all those things. Uh, mm. and so, and I think it, it hit my dad, you mentioned, you know, what was the feeling from other people? I know it impacted him too, is we both got a little choked up as I'm writing down kind of 
on the fly here so I can quickly get it filled out and get sure. checked in. Sure. You know, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Gosh. Um, and, and we're, you know, Oh, getting joked up and, uh, no, yeah. um, but I think, uh, certainly that was one memory that came to mind. And then also, um, in, um, in speaking with my wife, especially about, uh, steps that would be taken. And like you said, right. just being very honest and, uh, honest about even her getting remarried and, Oh, we don't want to think about this. And, but, but, but at it, the I, same time, it's so important. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important. It would be, uh, unfair to her to not even have the knowledge of my blessing and desire that she get remarried. I want my kids to have a dad. And obviously I want to be that dad, but if God has other plans for me, then I want her to know that she has that encouragement. And um, so certainly conversations like that, and, and even with the company here, small company, but at one of our annual retreats, I just shared, uh, you know, our next segment of the meeting is what happens if Nate gets hit by a bus. Yeah. And, you know, there was humor, there was laughing, mm-hmm. but there was a real seriousness about it, too, uh, as we took that time in a formal, clear, transparent way to say this could happen and this is what's been taken care of ahead of time. So that you don't have to wonder what's going to happen. You now have that picture and you know what's coming. So, um, yeah, definitely all my memories of those conversations are so good and heavy but rich. I agree. And I'm curious when I talk to other people who will absolutely avoid those conversations, don't want to talk about it, don't want to think about it, don't want to will, don't want to state, don't want to address those things. Um, even people with children who I will try to convey the the reality of what happens if you don't have a will in place and the state and probate and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, and even sort of knowing the, just the logistics, uh, they are not convinced in any way to approach that topic. And so I'm, then I, it makes me curious because it's it's like this reality. We always joke, all of us, about no one gets out of here alive. And yet, mm. sometimes it feels like we're the person watching a movie where we're the all-knowing audience and the person in the movie doesn't know what's about to happen to them and we sort of feel superior. Mm. And and yet, <laughs> the reality is that is that all of us will have a funeral or a, a death at some point at mm-hmm. the end of our lives. And um, I understand it's an uncomfortable topic and I know why it makes people want to avoid it, but yet there's such an amazing outcome of these conversations. I guess for me personally, I, what I've experienced is just having a clear vision of how I want to be remembered. And also then what am I doing on a daily basis to get me to that place? It's, um, uh, it's like training for a race and having the end in mind, right? Or Stephen Covey begin with the end of mind and, um, not just worrying so much about what people would say about me at my funeral, but really will people feel um, that I impacted their life in a positive way. And if I want that to be part of my legacy, then that starts now, that starts today, that starts with every interaction I have. And so that can be faith-based and driven, of course, with certain standards and certain ways of living. But then I think also just um, for anyone having some clear vision and what they would like to be celebrated and remembered for is um, 
it's really important, don't you think? Absolutely. And it's interesting. I think that there's a, there's a discomfort of, like you said, of, of talking about death and of all the cultures through all the years, I think that our Western and American, but even beyond the U S is certainly one of the cultures who most shuns death on the real level. And yet when you look at our movies and everything else, we certainly are as fascinated with it as any, as any culture, but, but not in the real world. We don't process and deal with death and mourning and grief normally. I mean, I'm saying some fairly broad statements here, but as, Mm -hmm. as much as other cultures and times in history have, and I think that's certainly part of the discomfort and part of the awkwardness of, of just wanting to avoid it because we think happy and good and and successful avoids pain and avoids death at all costs. And so uh, we do that. But there's another piece to it too, um, more practical, that it's sort of like avoiding getting insurance or avoiding setting yes. up your 401k or any of those things. There's a avoiding buying a house. There's a, there's yes. a fear of the unknown and the practical pieces of how do I put this together? It's going to be stressful and expensive. And I think some of that, there's that relational piece and just the psychology of death and talking to people about it. Um, but then I think there's also the, the fear of the, just all the hurdles that have to be gone through. But to your point, I couldn't agree more that for both of those factors, it's it's worth uh, it's worth just heading into it and That's tackling right. it. That's right, and it's not nearly as complicated as people think. You don't have to have no. some extensive crazy trust or some right. you know uh, charitable remainder and all these crazy things. You know, you can just have a will. And I I personally really liked the questions I was asked. What do you want your funeral to look like? Do you mm. want to be in a casket or do you want to be cremated? Um, how do you want to be celebrated? Who gets some of the things that are most important to you, which even then brought up a whole nother set of feels for me in terms of my possessions and just how silly the stuff is that we own when we can just so readily assign it to people. Um, but anyway, that all just really got me thinking, like, I don't want a sad funeral. I don't want to be put in a casket. I want to be celebrated. I want to be cremated. I want to be sprinkled somewhere awesome. I want to go back into the ground. Um, I don't want my family spending a bunch of money on some, you know, I, I just have yeah. all these very specific images for how that I want it to look. And I get to make that decision because I'm alive. And even as I think about my own health and the way I take care of my body, it makes me really happy to know that all of my organs will be donated and hopefully will benefit someone that can continue on with living with their family. And so yes, there's only benefit and upside to having those discussions and making those decisions now. And I think, I just wonder with our hubbub and our crazy hectic life, how much we might perhaps start to slow down and be a bit more present if these types of things were on our mind a bit more. Um, it's almost like we're trying to outrun it. Do you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, And I think one of the pieces just, to tie into what you said is I think it's worth thinking about it more, even if people are not quite ready to have the, the outside conversations with other people uh, to think about it and, and not even to think about it in a vacuum, but to fill our minds with words from other people who've thought about this. I know there are a couple mm-hmm. of great books that I've read and, oh. um, and, and of course I would have to say, 
the the best one is the Bible. <laughs> it of talks course, about all that a lot. But but in addition to that, there are there are a couple books that uh, talk a lot about um, what is reality and facing reality mm-hmm. and uh, the the larger arc of reality, not just Nate's reality for his short time here, but uh, how do I fit in? How does my how am I both super significant and, like you said, maybe not the center of the universe either, like I want to think sometimes. Um, so there's a book called The Story of Reality, How the World Began, oh. How It Ends, and Everything Important That Happens in Between uh, by Greg Kokel. And I can uh, send you a link to it or you can find it. Yes, uh, we'll but, definitely include that. But that's, the Story of Reality. It's a, it's a great place to start, I think. Uh, expanding thinking on life and death and reality because um, what I believe about that bigger narrative of history will help me process what's important to me on my little narrative as well. Um, There's a little bit of context and perspective then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other one I'd mention, uh, it, it's yeah. not quite as specifically dealing with life and death, but I imagine some people even hearing me are rolling their eyes at uh, all of this God talk and everything. And there's a book that's really great that uh, is a book that I've brought and others have brought their hardest questions to, you know, why, why would God allow suffering in the world? If he's a good God, how could a loving God send people to hell? That's one that I think comes up to in people's minds a lot as they consider that. And often it's one of the reasons for rejecting the God of the Bible. Um, You know, why isn't Christianity more inclusive and how can one religion be right and others wrong? Um, So there's a book called the reason for God belief in an age of skepticism by Tim Keller. And I'll just quote one little description I found from his website, which is really cool. He says, Uh, Or it says, Keller uses literature, philosophy, real-life conversations, and reasoning to explain how faith in a Christian God is a soundly rational belief held by thoughtful people of intellectual integrity with a deep compassion for those who truly want to know the truth. So, um, if, Mm. if, for a few people, if, if even those questions are keeping us from yes. thinking about our own life and death and what comes after, then certainly you can take your hardest questions and wrestle through and read that and listen to that. So, Yes, I love it. And even just um, spending some time on the inquiries that we've talked about, sort of what you want your life to stand for, I think inherently is going to prompt people to think bigger, um, and, and deeper thoughts. And, and I definitely encourage people to have these conversations with their family and close friends. I know it was just impactful for me even to share some of the things I was leaving behind for some two young girls that I am their guardian, if Mm. their parents were ever to pass away. And even just that sharing with them that, and that they mean that much to me that I'm thinking of them as I'm writing my will. um, there's just an, an extra human connection there. It's this realization that we all are in this together and also that uh, loss and death are a real part of our reality. And it's, I think, really beneficial to think about it now and maybe a little bit even every day. And just yeah. uh, all of this has really prompted me to start thinking 
specifically at the end of my day, right before I go to sleep, I kind of go back over my day and I think about how I treated people and how I reacted to things and even the words I used and did I cuss too much and was I vulgar and, mm. and um, did I tell a dirty joke and, mm. you know, it, it, are these is this conduct that I would be proud of and is this conduct that that I believe is making the world a better or a worse place. And that has all really stemmed from this kind of end of life discussion. And so, um, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm just babbling. Uh, what do you think about all no. that? <laughs> so two thoughts that come to mind from what you said, you were saying, which proves that you weren't just babbling. Uh, the, <laughs> the first is if you, if you hadn't spent the time to think about your death and even where you want stuff to go and the people who really actually matter to you, death right. sets up that framework. And what's so cool is those two young ladies you talked about, they, they can understand how you feel and care for them in a way more powerful way than they could have just, uh, by you saying, Hey, you know, yeah, exactly. Because there was this framework of, the end of your life and what you'd want to pass along to them. And so it, it actually enabled them to understand and a, to know you better, but also to know the love that you have for them better. And I think that's, that's one piece that's really cool in, in thinking and, and doing that. It enables those conversations that, that really matter and, and they'll be able to hold on to that forever um, even if you outlive them, it, it has value. So, um, that certainly was something cool that, that brought hmm. to mind. Um, and well, thanks for sharing. So, yeah, absolutely. Was there some, did I just interrupt you? Were no, you else? no, okay. no. Okay. Um, there's so many ways I want to take this, so many places I want to go, but I also have sort of committed to our listeners to keep it, you know, commutable mm. length. Um, and you've shared some awesome resources. I love that you gave a couple book suggestions. I love that you read some passages that really resonate with you. Um, I also love that you've just shared that the logistics of sort of setting up end of life plans are not as difficult and, and onerous as we make them out to be. Um, but as you sort of think of this topic, and especially given your your faith, and um, just your life and your role as a father and your place on this planet, you know, what, what would you like to leave people with or what would you challenge them to do or what, what suggestions would you make for kind of where to start this? Mm. If they've never thought about it. Yeah. So here's where I, here's, I think what I would say, um, you know, I, I want to leave my mark on the world at large. I've always wanted to, achieve something big that changed the world. Uh, it sounds cool to, to do that. And I, I've always wanted that, but as I've gotten older and I think, I hope more mature, I've realized that the overall world quote unquote, doesn't care much about me and it will soon forget me. So my biggest yep. achievements, my biggest successes will probably be the deep impact that I can make on a small number of real people around me that I care about and way more than uh, the external successes and achievements that I have dreamed of in the past and would still love to see happen. So for me then, as I think about that small number of real people that I do care about and could have an impact on, I, um, I want to strive and I encourage you to 
to all of you to strive to pour out your life into the people that you can. And that is on every level. And the time we spend, uh, the care we give, the, the, the effort we make to communicate our love to one another and not leave it unsaid. Uh, even in love, by the way, is not just the happy, fuzzy feeling. I think love uh, is also caring enough uh, to, in gentleness and um, in the right way, but to share hard things and not uh, hide and gloss over other challenging conversations. Uh, too many times unforgiveness and bitterness grow up because we aren't willing or we're too afraid to have those real conversations. I think that love, love means that also. Um, but to pour ourselves into these people and to, to not undervalue. I think I for so long have undervalued the people I was already closest to who actually already cared about me and who I could, could impact and help mm. and, Chasing like after that. the masses uh, and forgetting about the people who actually will will remember me and care. So that's I think that's one piece, and and then I guess the last piece, the angle, one one aspect of that is for me is pouring out my life into people on the spiritual level if they're willing, and not everyone is willing, but um, I care about leaving a legacy, but my legacy on this planet and how it looks is going to fade pretty quick. I am pretty small uh, out of the billions of people, but uh, I want to pour in spiritually because then I have an eternal legacy of sharing life and sharing love and it will never die. And there's a lot at stake. Uh, we're yes. all made in the image of God and with an eternal soul, I believe. And, we have a very personal relationship with him. He, whether we ignore him or not, he relates to each one of us personally and is ready to give us the grace and love we don't deserve, but he is just, and there eventually will come judgment to those who reject him. So everything we do matters, and life is so, so short. Uh, and mm -hmm. so mm. let that drive the, the breaths that he gives us. I love that, Nate. Um, in the event that this is, you know, really striking a chord with people and they, you like you've stirred something in them, and I suspect that is going to happen. Um, you mentioned uh, that you are a pastor at a church, and we will include a link to that on the website too, but just one more time, say the name of, of the church. Yeah, it's Orchard Bible Church, and orchardbible.org is the website, and uh, they're we actually have some, I don't do the most of the preaching, but I do get the opportunity a few times a year to share from my heart and open up God's word there. So um, if people want to find more there, yeah. they can find more there too. And and I would be, would be happy fun. to email or have conversation or any of these things with people who want to talk about it too. I love that. Well, we can, because because you're willing to make that offer, we'll definitely include your email address on the website as well. And, um, and is your, is there an email address on that website you just mentioned as well? Could people contact you through the church? Yes, they can. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Nate, well, 
I mean, this is on point with our conversation. I ask this mm. at the end of every episode, but particularly today, when we think about the eulogy that's given in your name, and you've definitely already shared a big part of what your legacy, what you aim to make it, but a bit more specifically, if, if you had to, to really think about what are a few of the traits or characteristics that you hope to be remembered by, or, or a few specific impacts that you've made, what, what would you like to be remembered by? Well, certainly, yeah, certainly in a nutshell, uh, that idea of living for Christ and that death was in the end gain and I'm celebrating and that uh, if, if people thought that as they looked back that I, and they thought about their own life and said, uh, he poured out his life for me. Um, and I grew or I was enriched or I was blessed or I was turned away from things that were hurting me toward, uh, life, uh, because of my interactions with Nate. Wow. That would be, that would be amazing. That would be really, Mm. really great. Uh, and I think on a less, intensely profound level. Uh, I hope that my joy in and delight in life and so much of the wonderful good things from music to food to games to simple conversations and trips and all those things too, that people would uh, remember the depth, but also remember just the joy as we spent time together. Mm. Well, that has definitely been my impression in our interactions thus far within the last year that you truly are one of those people who's fully present and who really does savor whatever the activity is that he's um, in the moment doing. And I just really appreciate that about you. It's rare anymore with people with their faces in their phones and kind of always in the state of multitasking. And um, when you're, when you're in the room with Nate, especially when you're having a conversation with Nate, you feel like the center of the universe at that moment, just because of the attention and the empathy and just the listening that, uh, that you bestow upon the person that you're with. So I just want to publicly say thanks for that. Making people feel seen. That's a pretty big gift. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. And I have loved our friendship. It has been awesome as well. And, uh, it's hard to pour energy into you because you're too busy overflowing <laughs> with it into all of us. But I'm glad that, uh, that that some of that bounces back too. So It sure does. It sure does. Well, I actually get to see you tomorrow. So I'm That's thankful right. for that. And uh, thank you so much for your time and for spreading your amazing message and sharing your thoughts from your heart. And I can't wait to see what the ripple effect from this podcast will be. So Uh, cheers to living life out loud and on purpose. Yes. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Thanks, Nate. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.